You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Resurrection, and our hope is based on our reunion together with Christ forever. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for being God. Because besides thee, Father, uh, there is no other. God, let this word not be of me, but God, let this word be of thy Holy Spirit as he speak to each of our hearts as we go through the scriptures. God, will you minister to us? Will you give us, Lord, that hope that we need in the promises of Jesus Christ, knowing that God never lies. All his promises is yes and amen. So we can trust in his word. We can trust in 1 Thessalonians 4 this morning that the promises that Christ made to us, Lord, is true and that one day it will be a reality to us. So God, I pray, come now, Holy Spirit, minister to us, open our ears and open our hearts to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This wind is reaping havoc up here. I like to read First Thessalonians again. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, Though through Jesus, God would bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left unto the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with down of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I'd like to start by saying our hope is based on Jesus' return. Jesus' return to claim his own, verses 16 through 17. I wonder... If anyone can relate to what I'm about to confess, I remember the last time I preached, I confessed that uh, when we was talking about uh, the scriptures, about whatever you wish others would do unto you, <laughs> do unto them. And so I confessed that I was riding down where I live and I met this, I seen this guy on the side of the road that was uh, hitchhiking. He was an older man in his 80s. And so I just passed him up. I passed him up because I had a more, I thought I had a more important thing to do, more important place to be. And so I passed him up. So I was so greatly convicted because Christ tells us in his word, he said, you fulfill the law if you do unto others as you wish them to do unto you. And so I was so convicted by that. And do you know the very next time I was riding down the street, there he was. God put me to the test. 
And so I just whipped in. I didn't only whip in to be obedience to God's word, but I whipped in because I was obeying what Jesus said, that if we want others to do good unto us, we must do good unto them. And do you know, since then, I picked this guy at least three or four other times. Picked him up, take him where he belonged, bring him back home, and drop him off. Praise God. So what I'm saying this morning is I want to confess to you something. I became a Christian a short time after I was married and was taught that Christ could return at any time. I know this is some of you very much anymore. I used to expect Christ to come back every day that I woke up. But enjoying marriage and my beautiful wife and family, I would think to myself sometime when I look up and say, Lord, perhaps not today. I'm having such a good time. I know some of you said that, and maybe you're saying it now. It does not have to be marriage. It could be anything that we are enjoying at the present time. But that only shows that I was uninformed about the truth of Jesus' return. Nothing in this world or should can be more important than the return of Jesus to take us out of this broken world. 2 Peter 3.3 says, Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And then in verse 4, say, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? It's been over 2,000 years that Jesus said that he would return. Then in verse 8, he says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Then in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness. Why is he taking his time? But it's patient towards you. It's for your benefit, not wishing that you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Matthew 24 and 36 says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. But what we do know, that is according to first, he will be personal, returning to claim his own. Verse 16 says, For the Lord shall descend from heaven. There are two phrases, phases of Christ's return. The first phrase, he comes in the air to claim his own and to take them back with him. The other is to come to earth with all his saints to judge the world. I'm not here to debate dispensations. I'm not here to talk about a pre-lineal or post-lineal. I'm not here to talk about any of those things. I'm here to talk about 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. He is coming to resurrect those who have fallen asleep in him with new glorified bodies, with those who are alive at his coming. His return was foretold in Acts 6, 1 through 11 at Jesus' ascension. It was also, remember the promise in John 14, 2, when he said, I go away to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. Jesus will return not only to claim his own, but he will return with power and authority. 
Verse 16, with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet, at the return of Christ, like a king entering the region, there would be a decree, an announcement by the archangel, and there would be an echoing blast of God's trumpet, also all the bodies approaching king. At this trumpet blast and announcement, all the bodies of the dead Christians will rise from the grave and ascend to meet Jesus in the air. At that moment, all who are in Christ and alive will also be changed in a flash and rise also to meet Our hope is based. Our hope is based on the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 13, I do not want you to be informed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This morning, we want to know that Christ, thinks dead or alive, will be resurrected. Verse 13, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. God wants you this morning to know the truth. We should take in consideration that Paul was only able to stay in Thessalonica for a short time, possibly as little as three weeks, according to Acts 17, 1 through 10. It is amazing that he was able to establish a church in that short time, but enough time to teach them Christian doctrine. Not enough time to teach them Christian doctrine concerning Christ's return. After finding out what the problem they were having, he addressed them in this letter. He addressed them about those who are asleep. And maybe you're thinking about people that you once knew and you once loved that has fallen asleep. I know for instance myself, I have so many family members in the past 10 years that have fallen asleep that was Christians. I have a brother and a sister that has fallen asleep as Christians. But here, talk about those who are asleep. Our bodies, the material part of us will die. For as appointed unto man wants to die. Paul uses the word sleep to describe the death of Christians. Jesus says this about his friend Lazarus in John 11, 11. Jesus said, our friend has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him. It confused the disciples. They were like, well, Lord, if he's asleep, then why bother him? Let him sleep and rest. We die as Christians. We fall asleep. But here, Jesus is speaking of the body and not the soul. He, we will continue to exist because you have eternal life. Remember that you have eternal life. Though separated from the realm of earthly existence. John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to Martha, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Praise be to God. We also have a part that is not material. Our body is just material. But we also have a part that is not material. The spirit is the part of us that communicates with God. It is this part of Christians that continue in a relationship with God after death. 
Let's take a look at that. Let's look at Acts 7.59. You don't have to turn to it. But Acts uh, 7.59, where they were stoning Stephen's to death, Stephen's, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, and he saw Jesus standing on the right side of God. And when they were stoning him, he fell on his knees, and he said, Lord, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Let's take a look at the thief that was on the cross. The thief said, Lord, remember me when thou cometh into thy kingdom. And Jesus looked at, looked at him and said, Today thou would be with me in paradise. And then let's look at Paul. Paul said, I am torn between two. I want to stay here and work the work that God has given me. But it's better off if I die and be present with the Lord. So we see this relationship is a part of our great hope. But another part of our great hope is the plan for our bodies. His plan is to give all of you and me and ones that have died, all Christians, another wears out and breaks down. It is resistant to God's will. Our hope in Christ is that he will transform these bodies of humiliation into bodies that are equal to the needs of the Spirit and of God's glorious presence and of the glories of heaven. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 55, it will give you a glimpse of what our new bodies look like. When it begins, it says, I will show you a mystery. These flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We can't take these bodies into the kingdom of God because they are sinful. But we will have bodies like Jesus, which is found in Luke 24, 36 through 46. We will have a body just like Jesus. When they was all in the room talking, Jesus just appeared all at once. And the Disciples were shocked and amazed, like, man, we, there's a ghost. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said, hey, come, see my hands, where they were pierced. Come, put your hands into my side, where they stuck the spear. Come and touch me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. And then he proved more of his new glorified body, he said, what do you have to eat? Fish. So he took fish and he ate with them. These are the kind of bodies that God is going to give us. And they are going to be amazing. And then Paul wants us to know that we are not to grieve as others do who have no hope. The reason that Christians do not grieve like the rest who have no hope is found in verse 14. Is that we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. That's our belief. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Our hope is based on the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Paul here is not saying that Christians should not grieve. He who loves, you're going to miss them. You're going to be lonely without them. And it's healthy for you to grieve. But we are not to grieve as those that have no hope. Rather, we should not grieve like the rest who have no hope. That is what gives us assurance that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep 
in Jesus. And then in verse 15 through 16, the dead shall be changed first. Verse 15, Paul says, For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Not only is Jesus is bringing the ones that have fallen asleep back with him, I don't know whether they're coming back with him for sure, but I don't know what kind of, I don't know if they're going to have bodies temporary bodies before their body that has been deceased is going to be changed. But he's going to bring them back with him. Did you know that? Everyone that has died in Christ, everyone that has fallen asleep, when Jesus would turn, he will bring them back with him to unite them with their bodies. And their bodies shall be changed and they shall rise first. The first part of verse 3 to what Paul is about to say in the rest of the verse 15. This is not what I believe is going to happen, but this is what I know is going to happen because God himself has revealed it to me. God himself has told me this. So if God tell you this, you believe it. Paul addressed the concerns of the Thessalonian Christians that their deceased brothers and sisters might be disadvantaged when Christ comes again. All the faithful, dead or alive, will be equally advantaged. That is saved who have departed this life, they will receive resurrected bodies. Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know that the dead in Christ would not be left out of the glory of his coming. And then in verse 17, then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up those alive and remaining to the coming of Jesus are caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds. The verb translated caught up means to seize or to carry off by force. One commentator, Morris, says that of a force that cannot be resisted. This passage is the basis of the New Testament doctrine of the rapture, the catching away of believers to be with Jesus. The word rapture is not found in scripture. It is not in ancient Greek, it's not in the ancient Greek text, but it comes from the Latin Vulgate, which translates the phrase caught up with rapturous, from which we get the English word rapture. So my brothers and sisters, if we are dead alive, I will see you in the rapture some sweet day. Get ready now to greet him. Hallelujah, meet him. Base. We'll see you in the rapture some sweet day. Our hope is based on the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And then finally, our hope is based on our union together with Christ forever. Verse 17 says, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Together our final consummation to be like him. To finally see what God has prepared for you. All that we're going through. Jesus says to us today. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's his promise. If I go and prepare a place for you, he ascended into heaven to go and to prepare that place for you. He said, I will come again and I will take you. I will snatch you up. You will be caught up to me. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Together with them in the clouds, the reunion, anticipate both meeting with Christ and meeting again with those we have loved and lost for a while. I lost my parents way, 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 way back. Way back in sadness. And just to think one day, we would be caught up together. I know many of you have lost loved ones. Many of you lost your parents. You lost your siblings. Just think one day, you will be caught up together with them to meet them in the air. Together with them, still alive in our left, if that we live that long, we'll be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. To be together with all the saints, old and new testament, your loved ones who have died long ago in the Lord, you will see them again and then together forever. And so we will always be with the Lord forever. There will be nothing that will separate us again. For we have been changed in our new glorified bodies. No more sin, no more troubles, and no more worries. Together with the Lord in the air. Together with them in the clouds. And together forever. Our hope is based on the union with Christ forever. And then in verse 18, it says, encourage one another with these words. What encouragement? Truth of those that have fallen asleep. Truth is encouraging. When you hear the truth, it is very encouraging. And it also can be convicting. But in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 8, should be encouraging to us because it confirms that all the deceased Christians will be included in the resurrection. Paul tells us to encourage one another with these words that our dead loved ones who are Christians are alive right now. Their bodies sleep, but they are alive right now and they are with Christ waiting for his return where they will be given glorified bodies. The truth of Jesus' return for his saints and the eternal union of Jesus and his people is to be the hope Christians. Let us be further encouraged by the truth of God's word in Philippians 3.20 where it says but our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here on earth. It is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. By the power that enabled him even to subject all things to himself. The hope that you have heard today is found only in Jesus Christ. It is only by receiving him as your Savior and Lord that you can have hope. 
has the hope in Jesus has promised means being so sure about the future that we can enjoy it in the present. Without Christ means that none of these wonderful things he promised will be yours. Instead of victory over death, you will be sorrowing over regret. Instead of experiencing the resurrection to be with the Lord, you will be experiencing condemnation. And instead of enjoying being with Christ forever, you will suffer whose tribution for your sins. John 3.18 says, Whosoever believe in him is not condemned, but whosoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. With Christ in your life, you have endless hope. Without Christ in your life, you have an hopeless end. Which of these will you have? If you have no hope for today and the future and you want to know more about Jesus and our Savior, please talk to me or Brian after service. And then, now, the communion. This communion that we are about to take reminds us of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The bread represents his body that was sacrificed on our behalf. And the juice represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. He tells us to do this in remembrance of me until I return. There's that promise again, until I return. This is the hope that we have. His return, his resurrection, and his reunion with us. Let us pray. Eternal God, Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise your name for the hope you've given us in all your promises. And yes, Lord, your promises, yes, and they are amen. God, we trust in your promises, Lord. And we want to live every day in your promises, Lord, looking unto that day, Lord, that you return and you would take us into yourself, that we would be with these words that we have heard today, that you will return to claim your own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let us take communion. As you pray and as you contemplate, and when you feel comfortable, take communion. Praise God.